the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Whether you're listening from far away or next to beautiful Seneca Lake, we hope that through the reading and proclaiming of Scripture, you hear God's wisdom, challenge, and blessing for you today. If you're able to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, we at Hector Presbyterian Church would love to share Christ's peace with you. As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. Sovereign God, let your word rule in our hearts and your spirit govern our lives until at last we see the fulfillment of your realm of justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our hope, we pray. Amen. A reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Listen for God's word to you. Watch out, you shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord the God of Israel proclaims about the shepherds who tend to my people. You are the ones who have scattered my flock and driven them away. You haven't attended to their needs, so I will take revenge on you for the terrible things you have done to them, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the few remaining sheep from all the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will place over them shepherds who care for them. They will no longer be afraid or dread harm, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from David's line and he will rule as a wise king. He will do what is just and right in the land. During his lifetime, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And his name will be, The Lord is our righteousness. So the time is coming, declares the Lord, when no one will say, As the Lord lives who brought up the Israelites from the land of Egypt. Instead, they will say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the descendants of the people of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he has banished them, so that they can live in their own land. Words of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Listen, at the crossroads, God's wisdom calls. The soldiers also led two criminals to be executed with Jesus. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. The people were standing around watching, 
But the leaders sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he really is the Christ, sent from God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above his head was a notice of the formal charge against him. It read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging next to Jesus insulted him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Responding, the other criminal spoke harshly to him. Don't you fear God, seeing that you've also been sentenced to die? We are rightly condemned, for we are receiving the appropriate sentence for what we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. The word of the Lord. Upon re-watching the 1985 classic film, Back to the Future, comedian John Mulaney has some questions. Chiefly, why is a 17-year-old high school student best friends with a disgraced nuclear physicist? Why? How did they even become friends? We never find out. We just accept it as part of the movie. Can you imagine the pitch to sell that movie to the studio? All right, Marty McFly, a high school student, teams up with Doc Brown, a disgraced nuclear physicist, to build a time machine. Oh, okay, so then they go back in time and they uh, stop the Kennedy assassination or something like that. No, but that's a really good idea. Uh, we didn't think of that. We thought it would be fun for Marty to go back to 1955, become his mother's love interest, and inspire Chuck Berry's hit single, Go Johnny Go. Well, that sounds fantastic. Now, you say that they go back to the past. Do you want to call it back to the past? No, no, no. Back to the future. A reading from Luke feels like a blast from the past. The crucifixion, didn't we cover this back in April? Similarly, on this Sunday, alternatively called Christ the King or Reign of Christ Sunday, there are as many questions here as in Back to the Future. How can Jesus, defeated by wood and nails and cruelty, 
be called a king? Why would Jesus ask to forgive those soldiers? Don't they know exactly what they're doing? And why, for the love of heaven and earth, does Jesus not save himself? Did you catch that? Three times people around Jesus mock him and tell him to save himself. The leaders sneer. Let him save himself if he really is the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers taunt. If you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One criminal scoffs, aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Medieval retellings of that last part of the story arranged for a crow to land on that unrepentant thief and proceed to peck out his eyes, which is unfortunate, to say the least, because I think that his words sound more genuine than the pious speech of the good thief on Jesus' other side. We're so used to seeing the story of the resurrection, we're so used to hearing it, that we take for granted that Jesus' death on the cross is necessary for salvation, in fact. But that is all abstraction for that critical criminal. Messiahs are supposed to save, right? So get saving, Jesus. Save yourself. Save us. Save me. Those are genuine words. Selfish, sure, but honest. Who here doesn't prefer a quick fix? Sign me up for a patented solution. Take my money, my time, my belief, and help me escape pain. For example, before she left for Costa Rica a week and a half ago, Barb Anderson set me up with a membership at her gym, and she walked me through some basic weightlifting exercises. My primary care provider had been giving me the exercise pep talk for the last couple of visits, so I thought, sure, why not? As of this day, November 24th, I have gone three times. And that's fine, really. Except that I keep looking in the mirror, wondering how long I have to keep up at this before my torso is a sea of rippling muscles. There is no quick fix to preventing one of the heart conditions that runs in my father's side of the family. But more profoundly, no amount of magic pills or magical thinking will save me from mortality. I'm planning on making trip number four to the weight room, believe me, but I'd prefer to be saved from the slow winding down of the universe entirely. Now, you might be thinking, hang on, 
What about that other criminal? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today, you will be with me in paradise sure sounds like a shortcut to heaven. We might be convinced that such a shortcut is really the outcome of a very simple solution. Believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe that only Jesus saves. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Simple. Except to hear this so-called repentant thief make a confession of faith, we have to read into what he says. We don't know if he believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He certainly doesn't say that Jesus' death is a good thing. In fact, he says the opposite. We, fellow outlaw, are rightly condemned. But this man has done nothing wrong. For all we know, when he turns to the beaten and bleeding man hanging beside him, he's humoring Jesus. You're the king God chose? Well then, remember me in your kingdom, Jesus, you poor, misguided king. If there was a heavenly realm coming to earth, it would be nice for it to look like you, gentle, humble, forgiving, kind. The leaders sneer, the soldiers taunt, one criminal scoffs three times, save yourself. But in the kingdom of heaven come to earth, there is no do-it-yourself salvation. There's no pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Even faith isn't something you can just muster in yourself. In the kingdom of God on the cross, salvation looks entirely different. It sounds like today you will be with me and I will be with you. It smells like yeasty bread and it tastes like this is my body given for you. It feels like warm and calloused carpenter's hands. The word become flesh, living among us so that we might be children of God. Salvation shines like an oil lamp that seeks out one lost coin. Salvation arrives like a shepherd who has finally found one lost sheep. Salvation rushes to greet us, prodigal children that we are, who wanted the inheritance up front and then spent it in no time. Here is Jesus with us in our pain, hearing our need, present to us in our worst hour. People of God, here is our Savior. Now presence hardly satisfies the other outlaw. 
the one demanding a very specific salvation. And yet, presence is what we need. It's what Lyle needed when he stepped off the train returning to his hometown in rural Iowa. Fifty years after her brother came back from World War II, Maxine told her pastor, Rebecca Parker, this story. It was 1945 when Lyle came home from the war, the only veteran to return alive to our small town. The day he arrived home, the whole town came out to meet him. When the train pulled into the station, the band started playing. Family and friends waved and cheered, and the mayor himself stood ready to greet him. But the man who climbed off that train wasn't my cheerful brother. He wasn't that high-spirited boy who had gone off to war. The man who climbed off that train was a ghost. All that cheering and music, and he just stared back at us, not saying a word. His face looked so blank. He didn't recognize any of us. Not his mother, his sister, his friends. We took him home to the farm where he sat down in the rocker in the parlor. He wouldn't speak. He wouldn't sleep. He would barely eat. None of us in that town knew what was wrong. We just knew that Lyle's soul was lost somewhere. Well, I decided I would keep him company. Whenever I could, I'd sit in the parlor with him and talk. I'd tell him the news from the hardware store in town, or about the potluck dinner at church, who was there, who wore what. I'd tell him how the clean laundry blew clear off of the line that morning and landed in the tomatoes. And when I ran out of things to say, I'd just sit with him quietly, snapping beans, mending socks. Lyle was like a stone. No expression on his face, just rocking. It went on like this for days, weeks, months. And then, late one night, after everyone else had gone to bed, I was sitting with Lyle, as I usually did, quietly knitting, when I looked up and saw his face. His eyes were filled with tears. The tears spilled over and began to run down his cheeks. I got up and put my arms around my brother, and that's when he began to cry, full force, great gusts of sobbing. I held him, and then he began to talk. He talked about the noise, the cold, the smoke, the death of his friends. He told me about the camps, the mass graves, the smell. He talked all night. 
I listened. When morning light came across the fields, I went to the kitchen and cooked us breakfast. Lyle ate, and then he went out and did the morning chores. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In the kingdom of God with us, God present to us, there is no saving yourself. There is only the Savior who comes to be with us in the midst of pain, who sends us, like Maxine, to bear witness to the pain of others. We do not go alone, for as our brother Aylred of Riveau said nine centuries ago, here we are, you and I, and a third, Christ, is in our midst. In the kingdom of the Creator, there is no me to save that exists apart from you. No me that God has not already woven into what Dr. King called a single garment of destiny. There is only us, thieves and criminals, a mix of selfishness and good intentions and hope, whose humanity has been redeemed in the word made flesh. In the kingdom of the crucified, there is no quick fix, no deus ex machina, no thunderbolts zapping the bad guys. But there is hope, hope for mercy, that the nails we pound into our neighbor's flesh and into our own hands do not have the last word. There is hope for the future when the scattered are brought home by the shepherd. There is hope for Eden regained on the other side of suffering. Jesus is the sign of that hope here among us now. Friends, deep down we know that if we keep trying to fill our holes with the next best thing, the next best thing will leave us more and more holes. May we relax instead into that empty space. May we discover that, in fact, there is fullness of grace where we least expected it. Even if you wonder how it is possible that the teenage hero of Back to the Future hangs out with a nuclear physicist, may your heart receive the mystery and mercy of the Savior Jesus Christ, who comes alongside you as gift and friend, as shepherd and king. For such grace upon grace, let us give all glory and gratitude to God, giver of our days, gift of perfect love,
power and peace given to us all. Amen.